look today at 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. He says, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. So you're going to have a bunch of folks who are going to come into the church preaching that you can have a salvation that doesn't change you. And see, and this is exactly what um, James is talking about when he talks about uh, faith without works being dead. It's not that a person works to be saved. It's just that because Ephesians chapter 2 tells us for it is by grace we've been saved, right? So the, the two don't contradict each other. But the bottom line here is that any type of faith that does not change my behavior is not true faith at all. It's not the faith of Christ. It's something else. Um, it's, it's worldly. And so any faith that does not change my behavior, that does not change how I live, that does not change the type of decisions that I make, that does not change the type of people who I hang around, the places I go, the things that I do, anything that does not change that <coughs> is not the faith of Christ Jesus. It can't be. It's not the faith of Christ. It's something else. So anything that does that, so so that's that's what he's saying. You're going to have people who are um, you're going to have people who are coming in to the church who are preaching that you can be saved without without change. And so that's what Paul, Peter is talking about. Even denying the master, people who are saying there's a type of Christianity without Christ, and that's exactly what we're looking at now. We're looking at a, a type of Christianity where Christ is not the center at all. Where it's not centered on Christ. It's centered on emotions. It's centered on money. It's centered on status. It's centered on everything but the master himself. They've taken Christ right out of the church. And now it's it's a system. It's a it's a routine. It's a ritual. Um, Christ, the, the, the life and behavior and thoughts and attitude of Christ, that's that's not central at all. And so that's what he's talking about when he says denying the master. You can bow your head and raise your hands. You can, you know, uh, live whorishly, live recklessly, do whatever you want to do and still be uh, be a Christian. It's You can be in the world, you can be in the church, and you can still be a Christian. So the life of the master, the presence of the master, the commandments of the master, the salvation of the master, it doesn't even matter because uh, in, in their eyes, um, because... They're preaching a doctrine that is uh, antichrist. He says, and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And so this is what people are doing. They're looking at this, and they're saying, well, you know, just like the king of Assyria, um, you know, the king of Assyria thought that, Yah that Yahweh was just like another one of the idols because Jerusalem was so filled with idols. So he compared the living God to all the idols of the land that he had destroyed, and you find that in uh, in Isaiah, um, in, when uh, with, with with the blasphemy of the king of Assyria, it's the same thing in the church. People think that Christ is just like any of the other spiritual leaders because that's how we act. We act as if Christ is just another. Uh, he's a he's a he's a good he's a good teacher. He's a good, you know, he's a good teacher. He's a good leader, but he's not the Messiah, and I don't need to listen to him. He's he's got the uh, the the. The spirit of Christ is on him, but he was also on other leaders as well, the Gnostics will say. 
So he says, and many will follow their sensuality and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. So why are they doing this for the love of money? Of course, that's the bottom line. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. God knew they were going to do it. And he already prepared a eternal response. Verse four, he says, for if God did not, and this is what I want us to focus on here, four through 10. He says, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept into the judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, uh, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion. So we tend to look at the judgments that these beings had gone through, first angels, then the pre-Diluvian world of Noah, the pre-flood world of Noah, then Sodom and Gomorrah, and then us, and then us. Um, and Sodom and Gomorrah, remember Sodom and Gomorrah was the uh, one, the two cities that were full of homosexuality. And sexual immorality, that's what they were. And so they, um, and so God condemned them. He, it, it, he condemned the angels. He condemned the angels. He condemned the angels to extinction. He, I mean, he condemned the angels to hell, sent them to hell. He sent no, he, dest he destroyed the pre-flood world with a flood. He destroyed them completely, the old world. He completely destroyed with a flood. And he reduced Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes. Now, in each one of these, and when we go further down in verse 9, he says, Then the Lord knows, he says, If the Lord knows how to do this, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. So, in other words, what Peter is trying to teach us here is that not only does God know how to rescue us, but he also knows how to punish the wicked at the right time. You see, sometimes it's like we want intervention immediately, but it's not going to happen like that. Um, you know, in the pre-flood world with Noah, I mean, Noah preached for over a hundred something years, uh, over a hundred years before the flood came and destroyed everybody. Lot was living among the people for for many years before the destruction of Sodom. Uh, for for he was there at least for a time before the destruction of Sodom happened. And there's a lesson for that in us. You know, the lesson is is that. Before these beings were destroyed, angels, the human, human, human race of the pre-flood world, and Sodom and Gomorrah, each group of people was exposed, and they had direct exposure to holiness and righteousness. They had direct exposure. The angels were directly exposed to God. They were right there in the presence of God. And in a previous, um, I think in a previous lesson, we talked about how Absalom, and well, and if I didn't, I'll just say it now. Absalom, uh, the uh, David's son, the way that he went about overthrowing David in Second Samuel is just like how Satan is a parallel to what Satan did in heaven. Both were beautiful from head to toe. Both were without blame. 
Both um, manipulated people in order to follow them. Both wanted to usurp authority. Absalom and Satan are exactly the same. But anyway, God gave that process time, like He does. He gives He gives things time, and um, they both, they all of them had direct exposure. The angels had direct exposure to God. The pre-flood people had direct exposure to Noah. The people of Sodom and Gomorrah had direct exposure to Lot, who was a righteous man, and so. Each, each, and even though he wasn't perfect, so each one had direct exposure to holiness and righteousness before judgment came. And that's, that's the warning to us. There's a warning to us in that, is that when you and I have direct exposure to holiness and righteousness, we're held to account at a higher standard than somebody who didn't know because you had somebody right there in front of you who was modeling how we should behave. So when you have an example of it and then you turn away, it's like Peter says, he says, it would have been, it would have been like the Bible says, it would have been better for you to have not known the way than to have known it and then turn your back on the sacred command. So you have an example right there in front of you and then you say, I don't want it. I'm turning away from it. I'm not listening to you. That's, that's dangerous. You know what I mean? That, that's something that can get you and me sent directly to hell if we turn away the instructions that God has given to us if we turn away from it. And so you see the angels had God, the pre-flood world had Noah, Sodom and Gomorrah had Lot, Egypt before they were judged, who did they have? They had Moses and Aaron. Moses was was a righteous and holy man preaching holiness and truth uh, to to Pharaoh. What did, what did what did Moses tell Pharaoh? Let my people what? Go. Let my people go. He said, let my people go that they may serve me. He introduced them. If if Pharaoh didn't know, he introduced them to the God of the Hebrews. He said, the God of the Hebrews, that's he's preaching the gospel to him. He's telling the truth about the true God to to Pharaoh. And what did Pharaoh do? Pharaoh in turn hardened his heart and would not let the people go. And so what happened? Pharaoh underwent uh, 10 horrific judgments on his country, which ultimately led to the complete destruction of his country and his military. See, warning comes before judgment. Um, You have Isaiah. Isaiah preached for almost 50 years to Israel, and then there was also some prophecies in there for Judah. And so what happened? For 50 years, they did not respond to him. And so what happened after that? Israel was carried off. Judah was also carried off in exile because they would not listen to God and would not listen to his prophets. And what did they do to Isaiah? The the tradition has it that um, tradition has it that uh, Isaiah was sawed, uh, sawn in half. You know, that's the tradition. And so this is what I'm saying. This is their response to um, to the instruction that the Lord God of heaven was giving to them. And so what happens with that judgment, 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 judgment God brings um, when we don't respond to his instructions. Okay, so Isaiah, so Second Chronicles 36, 4, is not exactly the verse I'm looking for, but we'll use it here. He says, all the officers, 36, verse 14, all the officers of the priests of all the, he says, all the officers of the priests and the people likewise were exceedingly unfaithful following all the abominations of the nations. And they polluted the house of the Lord that he made holy in Jerusalem. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. 
But what did they do? They kept mocking the messengers of God. They kept despising his words, scoffing at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people until there was no remedy. And so we find that same thing when you're looking at the the people who were exposed to holiness and exposed to righteousness. What were the people in uh, what were the people in Noah's time doing? They were mocking. They were mocking uh, Noah. They were, you know, they were they were not listening to him. They weren't receiving what he says. Um, what 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 was Satan essentially doing to God? Who was mocking him by trying to uh, think that he could be like him? Um, what was what was uh, uh, Pharaoh doing to Moses and Aaron when he was saying that when uh, Moses was telling the Pharaoh to let his people let God's people go? You know, they were mocking. You know, same thing with Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, you know, when when Lot tried to check them from uh, kicking, beating down the door to get to the angels. He said, don't do this. He's like, don't act so wickedly. What were they doing? This fellow just came to sojourn with us and now he's going to lecture us. So in each instance, he said, we will deal with you worse than we deal with them. And so in each instance, what do you have? You have them being in the direct presence of something of something or someone holy and righteous. And what do they do? Not only do they not listen to them, not only that receive them, but then they mock them. And so that is a lesson for us. You find the same thing, the late Second Temple period where Yeshua and his apostles existed, the late Second Temple period um, from 81 to 8030, the time of Christ. And after that, you find uh, Yeshua and the apostles living. And what are the Jewish, what are our Jewish brothers and sisters doing? They're mocking, they're getting the, many of them are getting saved. Many of them, thousands are getting saved. But then there are also thousands that are mocking and, and persecuting the church. And so then what happens? Because they're mocking and persecuting the church 40 years after Christ's death, what happens? Um, t- uh, the Roman general Titus comes in and completely destroys Jerusalem under Emperor Vespasian, destroys Jerusalem, plows it underground, plows it, flattens it, I mean, completely levels the city, burns the temple down, drains the, melts the gold in the temple and, and, and takes it completely. It was so bad that the, the people were cannibalizing themselves, that they were cannibalizing uh, their children because the famine was so severe. And not only were they cannibalizing uh, those that sh- surrendered, a lot of them were killed too. And so, and then after they were killed, because they had swallowed their jewelry and swallowed their, uh, some of their precious goods, um, some of, in, in some sojourners and people from, people who were their enemies would come and cut the, in, cut the stomachs open and take the jewelry out. That was how bad it was. And then others of the survivors were sold into slavery. The rest were sold into slavery. So the point here is, is that warning always comes before judgment. That's the point. Warning always comes before judgment. That two minute talk that somebody gives you, that one minute talk, that 30 second talk, that, that, that 10 second warning, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. That, that, can, that can change the whole, that can change your whole life. That just that small warning alone, that can change your whole life. Um, I remember a particular instance where um, I was getting ready to play a basketball game with the kids on my other job. And uh, before I played, a woman and I could, she was, came up to me and said, you don't have the shoes for that. And, I, and that was a warning from God. I did not have the shoes for that. What did I do? Hard head, stiff neck, played basketball anyway, because I thought, well, shoot, these kids are aggressive against me. I need to help them get it out in a constructive way. So they, uh, so I ended up playing basketball and my knees hurt so bad and they have not been the same since. 
Um, it's the same thing. I, uh, um, I know another story of a, of a young lady who was going to liaison with a man and do some, some immoral things. And, you know, uh, and uh, she received a phone call um, to, uh, to, to come over to her house and do another activity with her mom. And the young lady said, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, she ended up uh, getting, you know, pregnant by the guy, having a child, whatever, whatever. And so, um, you know, and, and so warning always comes before judgment. That's the point. Um, we have to be very careful to listen. You know, that's the problem is like we, we don't want to listen to anything worse. We're arrogant. We're proud. We're hard head. We, we, we're rebellious. We just want to keep doing what we want to do. But in the end, there is judgment. And this is the lesson that Peter is trying to get across here in Second Peter 4 through 10. If these people who were in the presence of righteousness and holiness to instruct and guide them, if they weren't spared, if they weren't spared, then we're not going to be spared either. No one who is who has been told the truth and who turns away is going to be spared. We're just not. It's just not. There's no mercy. There's no compassion for that because you had the chance to to hear the truth and you and you despised it. Um, so we just have to be very, very careful to listen because warning comes before judgment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, let's heed warning because warning comes before judgment. You said if we deliberately keep on sinning, no sacrifice for sins remains, but only a fearful expectation of judgment, Lord. Help us to do your will, Lord. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen.